your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 428 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Who are this season's top 50 NHL players? Find out on the Locked On NHL podcast. Jody Biasi, Mike DiStefano, and Rachel Donner reveal the top 50 players as voted on by our local experts across the Locked On NHL network of podcasts. Subscribe to the Locked On NHL podcast on YouTube and turn your notifications on so that you never miss an episode. And we've got a lot to do today. We're going to focus the vast majority of today's episode on the 9-11 attacks, as well as the 20th anniversary of 9-11. I'm going to do my best to kind of collect all my thoughts here, put everything into perspective, and uh, you know, try to do right by everybody who was affected that day, all the victims, all the uh, families of people who you know may have perished in the 9-11 attacks. We're going to do our best with that. Uh, also going to be talking about a Marc Messier story, something that happened with Marc Messier in the aftermath of the 9-11 attacks. And we will also get into some news and notes from Ranger Development Camp over the weekend as well. And before I get started, one other thing that I just want to mention real quick here is that I am using a different microphone than usual today. This episode is not going to be on YouTube, but that's kind of the initiative that's being taken. Eventually, I think every Locked On episode is basically going to be on YouTube. And this is a headset that I'm using. I don't know how good or how bad the microphone is going to be. It sounded okay when I was testing it, but you guys let me know. Is this microphone better, worse, or about the same as the one I was using before? Uh, I welcome any and all feedback there. Uh, But yeah, like I said, we got to start today. There's nowhere else to start other than talking about the 20th anniversary of 9-11, especially given that this is a New York-themed podcast covering the New York Rangers and Obviously, that's where the attacks happened. And, you know, for starters, I'll kind of echo what a lot of people have been saying thus far. You know, everything having to do with 9-11 is that it's pretty crazy that it's been 20 years. And in times a funny thing, it can feel like it happened just yesterday or a week ago, or it can feel like it happened uh, maybe a handful of years ago. It can feel like it happened 20 years ago. It can feel like it happened a lifetime ago. But, you know, whether it's the first anniversary or the 10th anniversary or the 20th anniversary or not even an anniversary, it it could happen. I could have these thoughts maybe, you know, in February of any given year. Uh, But my mind goes to a lot of different places. And one of the first things that I always think about is the first responders on that day. Those who went running headfirst into danger, you know, policemen, firefighters, paramedics, all these people fearlessly And without any hesitation, risking their own lives to try to save others. And obviously, some of them lost their lives as a result of that, which is obviously it's difficult even just to say it out loud right now, all these years later. Um, But I think all those people should be commended for, you know, once again, putting others before themselves and doing everything they can to put their own lives on the line in a very major way to do their best to try to save somebody else. Uh, There's there's no words for that. Those people are heroes. And. There's a picture that a lot of you have probably seen. It always kind of resurfaces around this time of the year every year, and not always necessarily around 9-11. You see it at other points during the year as well. But it's a picture where you can see a fire truck. It's on the uh, morning of 9-11 in 2001. And you can see it's a picture of a fire truck that's racing across the Brooklyn Bridge, ladder 118. And you can also see in the background the two towers and there's smoke coming from both of them. So this is obviously after the attacks, but before they collapse. And ladder 118 is crossing over the Brooklyn Bridge on the way to the World Trade Center. And unfortunately, and very sadly, every single firefighter on that truck uh, passed away just a few minutes later. And I it's because, you know, obviously they were going into these towers and trying to rescue as many people as they possibly could but obviously a very sad story but it's one of those photos you know as tough as it is to to look at 
and to acknowledge, you know, first of all, you've got everybody in the towers themselves that ended up dying on that day. And then you've got, you know, this this team of the, these heroes, these braveless, excuse me, these brave, fearless firefighters racing across the bridge, uh, charging headfirst into danger and ultimately, you know, passing away uh, just a few minutes after this picture was taken. So it, it's very, very difficult, but it also just kind of leaves you in awe of the men and women who are willing to do that kind of a thing. And of course, you know, with 9-11, everybody's got their story. It's, it's one of those things where everybody just kind of remembers where they were and what they were doing and how they found out about the news. So I figure I, I could at least share my story real quick here. I don't want to talk too long about this because the last thing I want to do is make this about me. But, you know, when you kind of look at all the coverage of 9-11 over the weekend, everybody kind of shared their story of where they were and what they were doing. So I figure I'll just kind of shine a little bit of light on that for you guys as well. So 20 years ago, I'm a sophomore in high school at this time. I'm 15 years old. And, you know, I grew up in Connecticut and what happened was I actually kind of missed our teacher addressing the class and letting everybody know what had happened because it was, I I had forgotten my book in a previous class. I was going to my science class. I asked the teacher before class started, hey, I forgot my book in my math class. Can I go back and get it? And she said, yeah. And so I went back and got it. Uh, The math class that I went back to, uh, that room was completely empty. I guess there just wasn't a class there that day. But I grabbed my book. And, you know, being that I'm a sophomore in high school, I probably wasn't in any real hurry to get back to my science class. I mean, I've got a free pass. I can kind of drag my feet on the way back. And when I got back into my science room, something was off. The teacher had just finished addressing the entire class. And, you know, I only cut the very tail end of the whole thing. I mean, I'm talking like maybe the last couple of seconds here. And something is off. You know, I'm looking at my my fellow students and I'm looking at the teacher and just kind of look on everybody's face. Everybody's just kind of surprised, confused, upset. And you could just tell right away that something was not right. And so, you know, the class actually continued. I sat back down, but, you know, I'm trying to ask my friend, I'm saying, you know, what happened? What, what's going on? Because we had actually just a couple of weeks before this, um, a member of our high school had passed away suddenly and unexpectedly. And that was my first thought was like, oh, my God, what happened? Not again. Who was it? Um, but my friend told me that, no, you know, the World Trade Center is under attack. And somebody had flown some planes into the World Trade Center. And again, me not knowing, me being a little naive and being in high school, I had always called the World Trade Center the Twin Towers. That's just kind of how I knew them as. Obviously, that's a nickname for the World Trade Center. Uh, But I didn't realize it was the same thing. And it wasn't until I got home from school that day where I really kind of put all the pieces together. And that's when I saw the video for the first time of these planes flying into these buildings. And, you know, just kind of finally grasped the whole thing. you know, the big picture, just everything that had had been happening. And and it just became very real in that moment. And yet so surreal at the same time. Um, But again, you know, whenever this comes up, I always think about, you know, the first responders that went in there fearlessly and a lot of them that paid the ultimate price. Some of them uh, got some people out of those buildings, though. There's a lot of stories going around like that, that a couple of people were rescued by firefighters. Uh, some co-workers rescued each other from some of those buildings. There really are some heroic stories that come out of that day as well. As terrible of a day as it was, as much tragedy as it was, uh, there there is some positivity there when you just kind of see the nature of the human spirit and some, you know, how people can be so fearless and go in and, and try to save each other rather than just running down the street and trying to save themselves. So, uh, there is a, at least a little bit of a silver lining and maybe even, dare I say, a little bit of beauty in that day, despite obviously how horrible it was. Uh, something that I also think about a lot is the United 93 flight. And I think most people know this story by now. But for anybody who might not be familiar with it, basically, there were four planes hijacked on that day two hit the towers and one hit the Pentagon. And United 93 was the last plane in the air. And the passengers on board got word what was happening, like 
terrorists are hijacking these planes and they're crashing them into things. They're not taking people hostage. They're not going back to the airport. They're not flying this plane to a different country or whatever it might be. It's nothing like that. This plane is in the air and these terrorists have control of it for one reason, and that is to crash it into something and something notable. And by all accounts, it sounds like this United 93 plane, uh, the mission of the terrorists was to crash it into the U.S. Capitol. And the passengers, knowing that that was the case, they basically revolted and they you know, all got together and they said, okay, we're, we're going to attack these people and we're going to try to get the real pilot back up there and, and take back control of this plane and, and get it to safety. And they did their best, but basically, and nobody knows exactly what happened because the plane crashed and nobody survived. But what it sounds like is there was a giant fight, a giant struggle for control of the plane. And while all this was happening, um, the plane crashed, the plane crashed into a rural field in Pennsylvania and everybody died. But, you know, those people died heroes. They died legends because even though every single one of them passed away, they prevented anybody else from dying. The only people that died were the people on that plane. I'm, I'm almost positive on that. Nobody else died uh, when the plane crashed. that was like on the floor, on the ground or anything like that. Um, and it's funny because, you know, the word hero, the word legend, that gets thrown around pretty loosely these days. I've probably even done it myself, you know, talking about, oh, man, Mika Zibanejad was my hero on that night or Artemi Panera and already a legend in New York. You know, those words get tossed around pretty freely. But I think in this case, it's kind of the opposite because I just said those people were heroes. Those people were legends. I think those words almost sell them short because and, and here's another part of that story, the United 93 story. They waited to make their move. They waited to attack the terrorists, the hijackers until they saw that the plane was over uh, rural ground in Pennsylvania because they knew very well there's a chance this might not work and this plane might crash and it might be going down and we don't want it to land on any heavily populated area and cause other people to lose their lives. And so quick thinking, obviously, uh, very, very brave to, to give it a shot. They had nothing to lose. And like I said, those people on that plane, it, that's kind of an aspect of this entire day, 9-11, that I think about a lot, the people on United 93, because they are absolute heroes, absolute legends. And like I said, uh, those words almost sell them short. But we're going to keep talking about this again in just a second. We're going to talk about how uh, sports kind of played a role in helping this nation heal. And like I said, we will do that in just a second. But first, I just want to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Bet Online. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online. Your online sportsbook experts. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is also brought to you by DirecTV. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract. 
So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Okay, and as I just mentioned, we're going to kind of continue talking about the 20th anniversary of 9-11 here. And we're going to talk about the role that sports played in kind of helping the nation heal a little bit. And I heard, you know, there was a discussion on MLB Network, and there was a handful of players all together that played in that Mets-Braves game, the one where Mike Piazza hit the uh, famous home run to give the Mets the lead in the bottom of the eighth inning. And it might have been John Franco. I forget who said this, but he said it was basically like, you know, putting a Band-Aid on a broken leg. And it's not going to... You know, bring back any of the people that died on that day. It's not going to end the the heartache of anybody who was impacted by that day, but it will at least help a little bit. It's a little bit of a return to normalcy. And, you know, baseball and sports in general, they just kind of have that that knack that that it's always just kind of been an escape and a way for, for people to collectively heal whenever something like this happens. This is something I talked about last year when we talked about 9-11, but I must say it again. There is a documentary on, it's actually available on YouTube. If you type nine innings from ground zero uh, into the search bar, it will pop up. It's only about an hour. Maybe it's, I think it's like an hour and two minutes, something like that. But basically it's a documentary that takes a look at the tragedy of 9-11 itself, but then also how baseball kind of helped heal the nation, which I truly believe it did at that time. I already mentioned the the famous Mike Piazza home run. I mean, just crushing that ball to dead center uh, to give the Mets a big win over the Braves the first game back at Shea Stadium. They were still in Shea Stadium at the time. Uh, so there was that. The Mets made a little bit of a run at it, too. You know, they were they were pretty much down and out in the standings, and they at least made a run through September, getting back into the playoff chase a little bit and playing some good baseball down the stretch. But then you had the Yankees, and this was at the height of their dynasty. And they had won four out of the last five World Series. They make it to the playoffs again. They fall behind two games to none to Oakland in the first round of the playoffs. That's a best of five. You get the Jeter foot play, the uh, now famous Derek Jeter foot play. Turn the entire series around. The Yankees win games three, four, and five. They end up going back to the World Series. I still believe it's the greatest World Series ever played. I mean, some of those games were so dramatic. Even if you take away the 9-11 aspect from it, just a phenomenal World Series. And of course, the Yankees, they once again fall behind two games to none, this time to the Arizona Diamondbacks. You get game three with President Bush going out there. He throws the ceremonial first pitch from the pitcher's mound, throws a perfect strike. The place comes unglued. Um... Really, you know, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it all over again. But, I mean, just a fantastic moment there. And, unfortunately, the Yankees, you know, we know what happened, or most of us probably know what happened. But they go to Game 7 with the Diamondbacks. Mariano Rivera, the best relief pitcher in the history of baseball. Do not argue with me on that. It is simply a fact. There's a lot of other positions and a lot of other sports where we can debate the best quarterback ever, you know, the best pitcher ever, the best starting pitcher ever, the best shortstop ever. Nobody even tried to talk to me about who the best relief pitcher in the history of baseball is. It's Mariano Rivera. And unfortunately, he blew the save in that game. The Diamondbacks won. And it was such a bitter pill to swallow. It was really tough. But kind of looking back on that game and looking back on that series and that season and everything that happened there, there's kind of a lesson there that not everything can have the perfect storybook ending. Because as phenomenal as it would have been with to, to end that season, that 2001 season after 9-11, with the Yankees celebrating yet another World Series victory... It would have been incredible, but I think that team served a higher purpose, had a higher calling than winning the World Series. They gave New York a reason to cheer again. Uh, they brought everybody back up. They lifted everybody's spirits, and I thought the players and the coaches and everybody involved with the Yankees handled it tremendously, and the Mets, too. You know, I'm talking about the Yankees right now because, obviously, they went all the way to the World Series, but I thought people on both sides, the Yankees and the Mets, handled that about as well as they could possibly handle it. 
And again, I think that Yankee team really kind of served its purpose. It's very bittersweet that they didn't get to win the World Series, but they did something more important. That was they helped New York City get back on its feet. That's the way I've always kind of looked back on that. As tough as it was at the time, uh, I look back on that team and I smile. And you think about also uh, the dramatic wins in games four and five of that World Series. The Yankees, down to their last out in both of those two games in the World Series against the Diamondbacks, they tie the game with home runs, and then they um, you know win in extra innings in both of those games as well. Just Just tremendous stuff. And you know, talking about this, you know, it makes me want to go back and just kind of watch clips from, from that season all over again. I know this is a hockey pod, but very, very important, I think, to just kind of look at how New York City as a whole was impacted on that day. And to shift gears just a little bit here and bring it back to the Rangers, there's also a pretty amazing story that involves Mark Messier as it pertains to 9-11, and some of you might already know it. But basically, this is what happens. This is in the aftermath of 9-11. Less than a month later, October 7, 2001, uh, Chief Raymond Downey passed away as a result of the 9-11 attacks. And again, this is less than a month later. It's the preseason for the Rangers. Mark Messier at this point is in his second stint with the New York Rangers. And in a very spontaneous moment, there's another firefighter during a pregame ceremony at Madison Square Garden. His name was Larry McGee. And he handed Chief Downey's helmet to Mark Messier. And Mark Messier wore that helmet during, you know, the pregame ceremony. Very emotional pregame ceremony. Uh, this is actually opening night at the Garden against the Buffalo Sabres. And again, less than a month after 9-11. But Messier was interviewed about the whole situation uh, not too long ago, actually. And this is what he had to say about it. Nothing was planned at all. The firefighter who brought it over did it on impulse just to honor Chief Downey, who, from everything I've heard from his family and through the stories, was an amazing guy, huge Rangers fan. It was done on his behalf for his legacy as a family man, a firefighter, and a Rangers fan. And then Messier went on to say, What's come out of it is not only honoring Chief Downey and his family and his legacy, but it really represents every first responder that lost his or her life and everybody else who was down there, the spirit behind it. We're reminded every year at this time of year of those tragic events, which is hard, obviously, for a lot of people who lost people, but also what comes out of it is just the goodness and the human spirit. I guess the hope is that we remember all those people who ran into the fire to try to help and save people. And we also remember the people who lost their lives, innocent lives, who were just in the wrong place at the wrong time, unfortunately. And uh, to just kind of give you guys an idea of, you know, how widespread this was and how easy it was to at least know somebody who knows somebody who lost somebody in the 9-11 attacks, uh, we can just look at the Ranger family. The Ranger assistant general manager at the time was Don Maloney. His brother-in-law died in one of the two towers. And uh, Brian Leach, he was still on the Rangers at the time. He lost one of his closest friends uh, during the attack as well. And in the aftermath of this, uh, Mark Messier, Eric Lindros, who had just come to the Rangers, and uh, Mike Richter, and then also then general manager Glenn Sather, all visited Ground Zero uh, just five days after the towers fell. And um, then the Rangers had a preseason game against the New Jersey Devils. I didn't know this, or I might have known it and then forgot, but this was actually the first pro sporting event in New York City following the attacks, this Rangers-Devils preseason game. And, you know, it is a preseason game, but it's still a pro sporting event. And uh, there's a video, another video I can recommend that's on YouTube that's readily available. Uh, if you type in Rangers and Devils stand together after 9-11, it's only about seven minutes, but it just kind of shows the first seven minutes of the MSG broadcast that night, the pregame broadcast. Uh, they show Eric Lindros. You know, it was, again, it was his first season as a Ranger. You could tell he was very emotional. Leach held it together during the pregame ceremony, but you got to believe, you know, he's singing about his friend there, his friend that he lost just a couple days before this. And um, something else that I thought was a really nice touch during the pregame ceremony here. Again, the Rangers are playing the Devils. And, you know, normally during a 
you know, the national anthem and everything that happens before a hockey game. You get the starting lineup from both teams standing on opposite blue lines. But what they did here, every single player on both the Rangers and the Devils stood on the red line together and they just alternated. Ranger, Devil, Ranger, Devil, Ranger, Devil, right down the line. So I thought that was a nice touch as well. Uh, John Emirante did a phenomenal job with God Bless America and the national anthem. Uh, he was fighting back tears. You could tell that he was really feeling it as well, feeling the emotion of the moment. And Sam Rosen and John Davidson, I mean, to the surprise of no one, they were absolutely fantastic. They handled it with a ton of class, held themselves together about as well as anybody possibly could in this situation. Obviously, there's a lot of eyeballs on them. And, um, you know, they just kind of expressed their admiration to the first responders and also wish well to anyone who lost someone in the attacks. And again, I thought that they just did a phenomenal job with it. And you know, uh, I'll, we're going to get to Ranger Development Camp in just a second, but I'll leave you guys with just one last quote from Brian Leach here to kind of put a bow on all our 9-11 talk for, for the day here. Um, but this is when the Rangers were in Philadelphia on September 20th. So just barely over a week after the 9-11 attacks, this is during another preseason game. But this is what Brian Leach had to say about being in Philadelphia. And let me just preface this whole thing by saying that we all know Philly fans are not always exactly the most cordial to opposing teams. I think we can all uh, probably agree on that. And to be fair, neither are new. We're not any better. You know, us New York fans, we're the same way. You know, we're not always easy on the opposing team either. But this is what Brian Leach had to say about the experience of being in Philadelphia on September 20th that year. Once again, just barely over a week after the attacks happened. It turned from being a visiting rink against one of your rivals with 95% of the people there rooting against you to immediately feeling that we were all on the same team. I knew the person sitting in the top row or the first row was listening and watching the speech the same way I was. We were all in this and we were all looking at that together. And I think Brian Leach said it best. You know, there's um, there was a feeling of unity. If there's the silvers of silver linings to come out of the 9-11 attacks, there was a real feeling of unity in this country at that time. I'm hopeful that maybe at some point we can get back to that. I mean, it, it still exists to an extent, but I mean, you guys know as well as I do, there there is definitely some division in this country right now. And you just hope that we can um, get back to that at some point. And maybe the 20th anniversary with a lot of people looking back and reflecting and recalling how it was at the time and how everybody just kind of came together. Maybe that can um, have a positive effect in some way, you know, going forward here. I don't want to get too preachy on here. This is a sports show after all. But uh, that feeling of unity would be a very welcome feeling, I think, for a lot of us at this point. Um, so, again, we're going to get to Ranger Development Camp in just a second. Just a couple news and notes from the uh, first couple of days here, the first three days to be exact. But first, just want to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. Did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There is something for everyone. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know all the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. You got coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint berry, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, and my very favorite flavor is mint brownie. I'm a big brownie fan to begin with, and so you put a little mint there and you actually turn it into a healthy snack and sign me up. I'll be there all day. Uh, but if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box, one of my personal favorites, where you get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are the Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from just 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar, and only four to five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. 
And like I just said a second ago, we're going to kind of turn our attention. It, it seems kind of silly to do this. I mean, we're, we're talking about 9-11 and, you know, one of the most historical events that we've ever lived through. Obviously, there was a lot of pain and heartache that day. But I do want to talk at least a little bit about uh, Ranger Development Camp here as well, given that this is, of course, the Locked On New York Ranger podcast. Uh, it's a little bit of a jarring transition, but we will do our best with it here. So uh, we are it's Monday right now, Monday September 13th, and they probably, as I'm recording this, are probably already on the ice for the fourth day of development camp, but we're going to talk about the first three days here. Uh, a lot of young Rangers attending the camp. There's drills, there's scrimmaging, there's all the things that come with getting you ready to play some hockey. And at this point, um, I just want to go ahead and read to you guys a list of all the players who are participating in this development camp for the Rangers. They're split into two groups. You've got Group A, and this consists of Will Cooley, Morgan Barron, Lori Pagadiemi, Brody Lamb, Carl Henriksen, Matt Remp, Michael O'Leary, Alex Whelan, Matthew Robertson, Nils Lundquist, Zach Berzola, and Zach Gutari. And then you've also got in Group B, Brennan Offman, Ryder Korzak, Austin Ruscheff, Justin Richards, Evan Vierling, Patrick Kodorenko, Jaden Grube, James Sanchez, Zach Jones, Braden Schneider, Tarmo Rayunanen, and Hunter Skinner. And then you've got three goalies that are also attending. They're kind of all rotating between the two teams from what I understand. But you've got Dylan Grant, Alan Boyko, and Tyler Wall. Uh, Benoit Allaire was there working with all three of them. And it sounds like uh, they kept these groups the same on Saturday and Sunday, which I'm all for. I think it kind of just encourages some competition. And if you're one of these players, you can get used to playing some of the same guys on your team. Uh, but I'll just take you guys through some of the highlights over the past couple of days here. I was not in attendance, so I'm basically piecing it together from what I'm seeing on Twitter, you know, various tweets from reporters who were fortunate enough to get to attend this camp, uh, different articles that I've read from some of these reporters, different video clips that people have posted on Twitter. Again, I'm not in attendance and it's not, you know, broadcast live on TV. So I'm just kind of piecing it together the best I can here. But, you know, we'll start with some highlights from Saturday. It's not like Nils Lundqvist had a really strong day, a couple of nice defensive plays, uh, also was able to knock his guy off the puck along the boards broke up a path about a minute after that and also scored a goal on a really quick wrister. I saw a video of this really quick wrister from the left faced off circle. So Lundqvist perhaps closing in on that opening night roster spot. I don't want to jump to conclusions here. It is just a couple days into the development camp. We've still got the whole preseason. Uh, we've still got all of training camp to go. The Rangers sound very high on him. It sounds more and more. The more you hear about Nils Lundqvist, it sounds like he is the favorite to be that sixth defenseman on opening night and likely pair with Patrick Nemeth as part of the third pairing. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, but the more you hear about Nils Lundqvist, the more excited you get, and the more you start to feel good about his chances of potentially being the guy on opening night, that sixth and final defenseman there. Uh, we also, on Saturday, Morgan Barron set up Will Cooley with a one-timer, really nice pass, a really nice shot. It looked like it went in. It's difficult to tell. Again, you don't have uh, MSG level of production here. These are just videos being taken from cell phones, uh, but it looked like it went in. And then Cooley was also working on some deflections in front of the net uh, with Matthew Robertson taking a couple of shots from the blue line. So uh, that might be how they see Cooley, somebody that can get in front of the net, cause some havoc. It also sounds like Ryan Reeves approached Brennan Offman to kind of give him some pointers. Uh, Offman obviously was the Rangers' first-round pick from this past season. Plays tough, plays physical, he's a pest, and it sounds like Reeves' line of thinking here was that, you know, this guy goes out there often and he throws his weight around a little bit and he knocks people around. He wants to give him some fighting instruction just in case Offman eventually gets challenged in the NHL. Because obviously, you know, you're an opposing team. Who the heck is this kid coming out here and throwing his weight and, and knocking all our guys around? Yeah, we're going to fight. So obviously, uh, you know, Ryan Reeves sounds like taking Brandon Offman under his wing a little bit there. And then uh, for some Sunday highlights, you got uh, the, the 
the practice or whatever you want to call it, the session started with some three-on-three action, and they were just kind of playing from sideboard to sideboard. Sounds like Lori Pajaniemi made some pretty slick moves. He was on video doing that with the puck, uh, you know, strong puck handling on display there. And then after the three-on-three action, they did a full-fledged scrimmage. You had a team wearing white. You had a team wearing blue. Uh, team white ended up winning the game three to nothing, but you had a starting lineup for the white team of Morgan Barron centering Lori Pagandiemi and Will Cooley. You also had Robertson and Lundquist at defense. And then on the blue team, you had Richards centering Offman and Kodarenko, and you had Jones and Schneider on defense. So interesting to see the starting lineups there. And it sounds like Morgan Barron, you know, he didn't score, but he had a couple of chances from the doorstep, uh, a couple of stuff-in tries that were denied from point-blank range. I know a lot of fans have their eyes on Morgan Barron. You can count me among you. And, you know, he could even be a dark horse to be out there on opening night. I, I don't think it'll happen. I think Kevin Rooney had a pretty solid season last year. But it sounds like Morgan Barron asserting himself, playing with some confidence at this camp. And Kevin Rooney, you know, the onus is on him. He's going to have to hold off Morgan Barron. Uh, we'll see how that ends up shaking out. But it's possible that those two end up splitting some time as healthy scratches and being in the lineup, and you know, the Rangers kind of go with the high hand. Whoever's playing better between the two of them is in the lineup on any given night. I don't know that that's how it's going to shake out, but Morgan Barron, it sounds like, uh, you know, playing pretty well so far in this development camp and might have at least a chance to be out there on opening night. We shall see. But Kevin Rooney going to have to hold him off. And first goal was scored when Whelan made a drop pass to Cooley. Cooley scored on a wrister. That gave Team White the one to nothing lead. And uh, sounds like Carl Hedrickson playing some physical hockey as well. Uh, Braden Schneider laid a big hit on Matt Remp, knocked it to the ice. Uh, that's kind of Schneider's calling card. We all know that. Big physical old school defenseman. And then O'Leary scored to make it 2 to nothing. White team. And then Will Cooley scored his second goal of the scrimmage to make it 3 to nothing. He had a wrister from the center of the left faceoff circle, lit the lamp on that. I don't know if they actually lit the lamp, but you get the idea. He scored a goal. So two goals for Will Cooley, an, impression, an impressive showing in the scrimmage. And that was it. Uh, three to nothing. Team White wins over Team Blue. And it sounds like it wasn't necessarily the longest scrimmage because, as you guys can probably tell from me reading the uh, lineups for both teams, they didn't have enough bodies to, to keep it going for, you know, a whole 60 minutes or whatever it might be. But it sounds like it was a pretty spirited scrimmage, a uh, pretty physical scrimmage. And that's good to hear. Uh, a lot of these guys, you know, trying to stake their claim, stake their claim to maybe an opening night roster spot or at least climb the depth chart a little bit. Maybe they could become, you know, the first couple of guys that are being called upon if there's an injury or ineffectiveness. Uh, a lot of guys can cause their stock to either rise or fall in the Ranger organization, depending on how they play in this developmental camp. And we'll obviously keep our eyes on that. They've got day four going here on Monday morning, as I just talked about. And we will, um, you know, like I said, we'll continue to cover this and try to give you guys as good a feel as we possibly can as far as, you know, what's happening at this Ranger, uh, you know, development camp and who's getting better and who might see their stock rising, who might see their stock falling, all that good stuff. Like I said, we will keep our ear to the ground there. Uh, that will pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, a final fantasy reminder. The Lockdown New York Ranger Fantasy Hockey League will be happening. There are very few spots left, but I have now opened it up to everyone. If you have contacted me about playing fantasy hockey, you are in, regardless of whether you played last year or whether you did not play last year. And I believe, if my math is right, there's only about two spots left in the Lockdown New York Ranger Fantasy Hockey. So if you're still interested, 20 is the max that Yahoo will allow. So you got to contact me sooner rather than later, and we'll do everything we can to uh, get you into the league. And the only other thing that I want to mention here today, there's a report from Larry 
Brooks that the Rangers and Mika Zibanejad are working on a long-term deal. That, to me, is fantastic news. I hope it comes to fruition. We'll keep our eye on that as well. But that will pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, it is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. All right, so just a quick update here. At the beginning of today's episode, I asked you guys to kind of give me your feedback on if the microphone was better or worse or about the same. Don't even bother. It was worse. I apologize for the uh, lack of audio quality today, but we'll be back to this. This is the microphone that I always use, and we'll be back to this one tomorrow. When I was experimenting with the other microphone, it sounded okay at that time, but you know, listening to the episode now, I'm not exactly satisfied with the audio quality. So we'll be back to this microphone tomorrow. And uh, again, apologies for any uh, audio deficiency in today's episode. Betting on the NHL doesn't have to be a guest game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts.